Hold up. And we always think about starting a business and it sounds like a struggle. It shouldn't have to be a struggle all the time. It should really just be like, like that's what generational wealth is. That's what privilege is. Somebody else put the work in so you can have it easy. And another one. Tweet Talk episode 55. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. We on the What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Junior Seau, man. If you Seau, you know who Junior Seau is. Um, he, rest in peace, he, Junior Seau. He died. Yeah, man. He actually took his own life. Oh, yeah. yeah. When he he was one of the people that when they were talking about CTE, he was like one of the one of the um, people. Like they said, he had some issues. I mean, when you play that position, it's constant contact all the time at full speed. Maybe not so much in the pro level, but your entire life just banging heads. Man, that middle linebacker position is a scary position. Like when you're younger and there's like so much more space on the field. And so there's people just running. They think they're invincible and you're just going head up with people. That football would definitely take a, a toll on your body. So I was talking to somebody. I was like, I don't know if I want my son to play football. <laughs> I think I'd be okay if we didn't yeah. play football. <laughs> Honestly, like I let my kids try it. They didn't. They didn't stay in it long. But my my thing is like I feel like too many too many black people sacrifice they they, they sons to this football this football game. Yeah. Like and it's not it is it doesn't pay off for us. Not enough of basically it doesn't. It isn't. It's big money, but you get it for a short time, three years on average, and then they're broke five years later. Yeah. And it's how many and people I, like how many thousands of people out of out of millions trying to do. I feel like you have to identify if somebody has that skill set very early, and you typically can. Um, I'm from San Diego, so like Reggie Bush was the man in Pop Warner. They knew. So he was a man in Pop Warner, and then he went to high school, and he was the man. You knew he was going places. Alex Smith went to the same school as Reggie Bush. But like even still, the craziest thing is those people who are still so great, they get to the league, and their career lasts that long. He bounced around from team to team, had issues. Couldn't hit the hole. He wasn't really like a like a Alabama type running back who they're running through you. He had to run around you. So it's like it's scary, especially when it's a, a sport that is so physically damaging or physically demanding to to do that. And I guess it's like the appeal. It's like who wouldn't want to play a sport for for fun and right. to get paid for it? But yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think any of the professional sports really pay off for us. But football to me is the worst because just the physically yeah. the physical demand it takes on your body. Like I don't know if you ever seen Deion Sanders when he had his uh, his reality show. He was running around his big old house on one of those things that you see out of Walmart or stores. Like oh really? Because his feet are so messed up. He's running around his house on this thing like a wheelchair wow. almost because his feet are just messed up from playing two sports and all that crap. But yeah. Yeah. See, my, my thing is though is like I, th- I feel like if you're dope, go get your money. But right. if you're like bored line get them grades because there's a lot of people out there who they didn't have that eye in the beginning like you can identify who's going to the league very very early it's just a matter of time
time for them. Anybody else, you better be getting AP classes. You better be getting A's. You better have a plan to get paid because life is going to come. And if you don't have that education, if you don't have that drive, if you aren't set up for actual life, you are going to end up in jail <laughs> or or on the street selling rocks or, or dead. It's like you got to be you have to be aiming at becoming a productive member of society, not just like football player or bust basketball player a bust and i mean the world doesn't need any more coaches we need producers we need business owners we need that kind of stuff not just like oh i was supposed to be playing ball it didn't work out so now i'm gonna just coach right. these other kids to their dreams it's like bro like more sports i feel like we gotta really we have to be like really hard on what we go after we can't be out here like just hoping all the time everybody else has a plan for what they want to get out of their community it's not just like yeah, we just, I'm just waking up trying to get by. It's like, nah, bro, what, where are we trying to go? And then what are we going to put in play for us to do that? Which means we're going to have to give up a lot of other stuff, which means we're not going to be able to just live life on our terms and just do things fly by night. Like we got to actually live purposeful lives if we want to have a community that's thriving and successful. I mean, I'm more of a basketball guy. I'm thinking of basketball that's 55, episode 55. I'm thinking of Matumbo <laughs> or even, I'm not a Michael Jordan guy, but I think of Michael Jordan dropping 55 in the garden, you know. I like it. And, I like it. and the first tweet I'm going to kick this off with is, I think the first one I'm going to do is, all vehicles are for you depending on where you are. Man, that's an interesting tweet. Um, I feel like I was tweeting that because I was seeing people who were like super gung-ho on dividend investing and they were like celebrating like really small dividends. And for me, I've just never really had that that draw to dividends because when you're building wealth, you don't need 4% annually. Like 4% annually is for the rich. <laughs> it's not for the people that aspire to be rich. And so for me, it's like I put six figures into an account that pays 10% per year, which effectively pays me about $1,000 a month. And that's a play, in my opinion. I don't think that you should be putting $1,000 into something paying, paying you 10% and then thinking that, you, that you're going to achieve some wealth. You need to be taking that $1,000 and investing aggressively to get you to the $10,000, $100,000 level. If you read the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, he doesn't, I think he kind of alludes to this, but what he says, hold on one second. Do you see that? It looks like they cracked. I saw it, like, I think it might be because of the sunlight. I think it, because, like, the heat is necessary, but I was like, because I, I looked, like, after you left, I went up and I looked, I was like, I don't know if that's the top or the bottom, but. So, yeah, in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what he did before he started investing in real estate is he used, he invested in penny stocks, and penny stocks are going to allow you to take small money and grow it. And so, I just feel like we have to kind of know where we are, and when you're a financial advisor, you actually talk about these things. Like, there's certain phases in the investor's life where, in the beginning, you're supposed to take a more risk to get you have more time to recoup the time that you might have lost some money. But when you're older, you need to preserve what you have. So you're going to be less in equities and more maybe bonds or things that are going to be paying you fixed income that maintain your wealth and you just live off of that income. So I just want people to know like there's a time and in place for certain vehicles. And yeah, it's sexy to say I'm getting dividends, but I just it just never really made sense to me. I was like, why are y'all out here chasing 4%, 5%? I'm out here trying to double and triple my money. Like that's what that's what you do. You you take a lump sum, you flip it, and you flip the larger lump sum, and you flip the larger lump sum, you flip the larger lump sum. That's where you got to go. And like, even for me, it's like, then you tuck away that big money and now you go back and you start flipping again and flip it again. But I feel like you shouldn't be focused on, on income investing until you have Chris level money. Chris has Chris level money. So it just makes sense to say, bro, like I got a half a mil over here. If I put this in something that pays me, Chris actually even goes for lower returns. 
he's looking at like AT&T that pays like 5%. And so a half a million at 5% is 25 grand a year. No tenants, no maintenance, no maintenance repairs, none of that stuff. It's just 25 grand that comes. And the beauty of what Chris has done is Chris has a paid off home. You don't need to make that much money if you have a paid off home. All you really have to pay for is food and utilities. And quite honestly, food's maybe like a hundred bucks a week. Utilities are like 200 bucks a month. You could get by on a thousand dollars a month. And that's why having a paid off home is so powerful is you, 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 you immediately put yourself in a category where you don't have to like, people need big income because they have big expenses. But if you don't have big expenses, you don't need big income. But they're so focused on, I make six figures, I make this. Well, okay, but if you got six figures going out, you really don't make anything. We've talked about that in the show before. It's like, what's your net income? Not just what's your gross income. What are you retaining? What are you building with? What do you have left after you've had your party? So let me ask you something real quick. So I think this was on a post of yours, an Instagram post. I think it was only on one of your posts. Some lady in the in the comments said, um, I got $800. This is my last $800. Where would you suggest I invest it? And I said to her, if that's your last $800, I would suggest you stick it in the bank and go make some more. <laughs> and she yeah. came back and she said, well, besides the bank, like, where can I invest it? And I said, like I said, I would stick that in the bank and go get some more money. Like, even get a second job or something, get some more money, man. Don't gamble with your last. So what do you think about right. that? I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily looking to invest. They're looking for a lottery ticket. They're like, how can I turn this $800 and get rich really quick? And it's a long road. Like I tell people, it's like where the business is, isn't where we started. We've been doing this for a very long time. We've been having YouTube videos, like doing all this stuff for a very long time. And so like, if you only have 800, you're just at the beginning of your race. You're just at the beginning of your marathon. So yes, you do got to put that aside and you got to get back to work. You might have to be working evenings and weekends and running Ubers and getting a crappy part-time job and doing all this other stuff because, like, I feel like if you're working all the time, you're going to adapt this mentality to making money all the time. And that mentality should be true whether you're in business or if you're working a job. It's like, I expect to make money all the time. And a lot of ways, I'm working all the time. Like, even yesterday, I was still monitoring to my phone, looking at all the sales that are coming in, still promoting stuff and putting stuff out. And it's a Saturday. And today, doing the same thing. And so... I feel like we have to uh, we have to approach building as though it's a process and it's a marathon. But like eight hundred bucks, I'm just. I mean, granted, I will say that people have had success in options turning things over, um, turning small amounts into large amounts. I've actually been very impressed because um, at first I used to always tell people like you need at least a thousand dollars to get started, and people are like, uh, let me just try this with a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, and they're blowing up accounts. I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. So I think it's a combination of of multiple things. Just because you're investing doesn't mean you start working. You stop working. It's like you don't get to just. It's not either or. She still needs to be out there hustling, and she also needs to be maybe putting that money to work. But it shouldn't just be like I'm not gonna hustle. I'm gonna just hope this investment does all the work for me. Like the most successful investors are constantly putting in new cash into their positions. They're not just setting and forgetting it. And so she needs to put that in her work and then also go get another 800 behind that and then also get another 800 behind that. It's a process. People, they don't want to commit to the process because they're like, I kind of want to live life and get Louis Vuitton and go out to eat and do all these fancy things. And so I'm hoping that this 800 bucks can do it for me. I'm hoping that I only have to put 800 bucks into it because you know she has access to more than 800 bucks. She's going to get paid in another week, week and a half. She's going to get a tax return. She's going to get all the different things that are going for. She can get out there and start selling stuff online, selling other things. She can, she can bring in more money. The right. thing is, is like people's mentality is it's still not completely. I'm an investor and an investor mentality is a certain way of thinking. Like we get money, we build businesses. 
we get money and we buy more assets. I have a, in the office, all I'm doing is looking at what can I acquire? I'm not over here and I've bought some stuff, but I'm not over here like, like when's the next vacation? When's this, when's that? Like we make it for the purpose of investing and putting it back in the street. And so I feel like people, if, if you only have eight, there's a problem with your, with your value system. And she's probably, she's probably consuming what she's earning and not putting it up, putting it up. Cause she should have way more money than that. Yeah. I mean, what, what to throw for me is when she said it's my last $800. If she had said, if she said $800, then okay. But she said, this is my last $800. To me, that's like warning bells. That means like this, are you unemployed? Like, did you just lose your job? Like, what does that mean? Because that's what it sounded like to me. Like, maybe she just lost her job. She's unemployed or something. When you say my last eight hundred dollars, well, you better hold on to that. <laughs> and, and that's wisdom right there, Raphael. The pa- the pandemic is so weird because, like Sheridan, it's allowed her to still get paid from her job, take on other various side hustles, and so you could really work two jobs alongside. And if you're getting unemployment, you could still be doing different things on the internet. Like it created an opportunity right. to really run a bag. Up. And I feel like people have been doing it. I was at Target and I saw all these new purses. I was like, it's very interesting. You guys are living your best lives with your new purses. Um, I was like, I feel like there's a correlation between getting all this extra unemployment money, staying at home, doing whatever, getting stimulus checks and getting new Louis Vuitton purses. So you said a successful community allows everyone to eat. Your job has a quota on how many of us can eat. 100%. Um, so I, I saw that one of my admins who I pay $1,000 a month, she made $20,000 on Gumroad. And the way she did it is she had created like this stock market analysis tool, which is great because it complements my product. It doesn't compete with my product. And so she was able to push that in the community because she's already been a resource. She's always been doing conference calls for free. She's always been helping people out answering Q and A's. And she was able to take her product, launch it in the group and say, Hey, I know you guys have been waiting for this tool. Here's this tool. You can purchase it here. And I was completely fine with it. I was like, cool, like eat. There's like 30, last time I checked, it's like 3,370 people in there, almost 3,400 people in there. And so if you sell that to a thousand of those people and your product costs 20 bucks, guess what you just made? $20,000. And so I just thought it was dope because it's like, I want to have a community. Like my, my, my th- one thing that I like about her is she might be doing her own thing and doing it in there, but she's adding value to her building. And so many people, they're like, oh, I see you got this. Well, I'm going to just run up and do my own thing. And I've been, I just got approached by somebody this week. He slid in the DMs of the, of the group chat. And he was like, hey, man, I've been adding a lot of value to the channel. I deserve to get paid. He was like, I think you should pay me $100 a day. I was like, you want to pay you $3,000 a month? I was like, do you realize, like, I have admins that I pay. I was like, thank you for a preach for ringing in value. I can pay you what admins are making if you feel like you can add value at that level. But I'm not paying, I'm not doing the $3,000 a month. I was like, in fact, I'm actually kind of insulted that you would even bring this to me. Um, and he was like, oh man, see, I see this is this is why I block, I don't know, people making comments. But it was like offensive that somebody would come into my house and be like, you should pay me for being in your house. And they don't know me. <laughs> they don't they don't they don't know me too well, Raphael, because I'll kick them out and grow. I will kick you out and grow. I've done it before at a thousand members. Sean E brought the same thing to me. Sean E came to me, he was like, hey man. Um, I see how much money you're making in here and I deserve to make some of this money too. He's like, I've been adding a bunch of value. And so what he did is he created his own thing. He went out because that's what dudes do. Dudes don't want to build with you. I don't know why I feel like it's society. I feel like society sometimes makes African-American men feel like they're not good enough. And so they have to go out and prove that they're good enough. And so for them, working under somebody makes them feel as though they're not fulfilling their, their manhoodness, I guess is what you call it. 
And so I just run into this all the time. I run into it all the time. Even sometimes people who do want to work with me, it's never like, okay, Charles, it's always like, well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think we should do this. But all the girls are like, okay, Charles, what do you think about this, Charles? And so it's, it's just interesting dynamics. Um, what was the original question? I went on it for the tangent. I don't I want to bring this back home. The kids over here are um, crazy. What was it originally? It was the community, right? So the thing okay. is, is like I just, I just feel like we have to stop competing with each other so much and trying to go off and do our own thing. And we got to build a successful community. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I want her to eat. I want her to do successful stuff. I want all these people who are in my in in my community to do well. Like, yeah, I'm paying you to be here, but if you can do well here, adding value here, it's only going to make everything we're building so much better. So instead of going off there and becoming my competition, stay here and get the backing of me. I told somebody I'm a great partner, but I'm not a good enemy. I'm not. I will outwork you every single time. I'm going to outwork you. And and it's just interesting because people think I, I built this brand off of just like just existing. Like, oh, the brand's just there. He got lucky. No, I built this brick by brick. Very long time coming. And we're still building it. We're still going to scale it. Now we just got the resource to put even more energy behind it and even more money behind it. So now it's like really trying to blow it up. My thing is, I've just seen it too often. I was even thinking about the Millionaire Podcast. I was like, man, it'd be so cool to bring in a guest or a, a, another host for the Millionaire Podcast. I can stop being that host. I can then start kind of producing the show as opposed to facilitating the show. They're going to get shine. And then I'm going to be able to grow this into what it really could be, which is like a flourishing business by getting really, really good guests, doing different things, whatever that looks like. Maybe we need more content. Maybe we need more shows. Maybe we need different theme shows, but I can't get there if I'm in the weeds of the business. The problem is everybody who I would consider doing it ran off and created their own show that's just like my show. They're like, I got this show mm-hmm. and I'm going to just do what he's doing. And it's, it's frustrating because it's like, we're out here and I know we all want to win. We want to be successful, but it's like, we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot. We're not actually intelligently progressing. We're just like doing whatever we can and hoping that it gets us rich like there's no thought behind it there's no thought behind it it's a lot of copying the imitation a lot of i'm going to go off and do what you're doing you're going to kill both of our businesses by doing that when instead we can have one great community where everybody eats instead of everybody remaining broke and they wonder why we're broke and it's like bros because we just don't put any thought behind our actions the community is broke because everybody wants to sell hair now not like oh you selling hair well, let me do something that complements your business. Let me do something that complements their business. No, it's like everybody wants to get in the same business. We pushed on the profits. Now nobody's making any money anymore. Nobody has any guests anymore because everybody's like pulling the guests from here. And so now we have a bunch of shows that don't really have any any, any value anymore. It's just very interesting. Very interesting. And yeah, you're talking about, I was going to ask you if you were really serious about walking away from the show. And you, you said in a tweet, number one way to not touch a milli is to be in the weeds. Right, right. I just... That's what I've realized. Once you do it, you start realizing what you were doing before that kept you from there and also what you need to do now to get you to the next. <laughs> and so I always tell people, I was like, when you, like one-on-one consoles, I don't want to do them anymore. I don't want, not because I don't like people, but because if I'm giving you my hour for 250 bucks and I could have made a thousand, I'm actually losing money. And so I would rather focus more on building more thousand dollar hours than $250 hours. I'd rather focus on touching 10 people in an hour than touching one person an hour. Um, and so I just realized like, that's what you have to do. You have to get to that point. I, another thing is automation. You got to remove yourself from having to do all the shipping. Like shipping is another bottleneck. Anything that looks like me attaching 
my efforts to making money is typically going to not yield the kind of money that you want to make. That's why digital products are so powerful. I can get sales taking a nap. It's going to it's going to check them out. It's going to de- deliver the product, and they're going to have access to the product. Back in the day, I couldn't do that. I literally had to be in my DMs, responding to DMs, sending the PayPal information. Otherwise, I couldn't get paid. Now I just put it out there. I got a link tree, and they go there and they fill it. And so, like that allows us to make even more money. So, like I just you don't like even with the vending machines. It's like I found. I'm trying to think. I would say maybe the options community is another one of the businesses that gave me the, this revelation. Is in the beginning of the options community, I was trying to facilitate everything. I was trying to be the end all, be all, the smartest person in the room, answering everybody's questions, and I couldn't do it. And so now we have five admins, and the group has tripled in size. And so I was like, it's not your job to be the end all, be all. It's your job to conceive the idea and then put the systems in place. That's what Jewish people do. Jewish people don't work to work for money. They create a system and that people work for them. And so for me, that's the, what I'm trying to look at everything. Even with the next shipment of bags, like they're not coming to me. They're going to my parents' house and my sister's going to fulfill those orders. Orders come in, I give her the information or she just has immediate access to it. She fulfills the orders. That's how you run a successful business. I can't be out here printing labels, carrying bags down to the, to the post. No, no, that's not what you do. You get people for that. And then that's how you get to where you want to go. You got to you got to get out of the weeds. You got to start being the quarterback, not whatever, or not even the quarterback in a lot of ways. You got to kind of be the head coach, telling the quarterback what to do because you still got to have a quarterback. I like I don't want to. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to touch the field. I mean, I don't the coach, the field general anymore. manager, right. general manager. Right, right. I don't want to touch the field anymore, man. I've I've touched enough fields. I want to see what I can make happen. Like even with, with the views, like with the model, it's like, I don't want to be the model. I want us to get people who specialize in being a model. They love doing different poses and they're going to dominate that space instead of me trying to pretend I'm a model and being all stiff and being all rigid and not being able to really sell the product. It's like when you, when you get out of the weeds, you have the ability to then hire specialists. We're going to do what you do even better. And that's just that's just my mindset at this moment. You can't do this on your job. And I think that's where we're going with the whole quota thing. Is I always tell people, I look around my office, I was like, I'm the only person here. And maybe this is just true for Southern California. I know there's other parts of the country where that's not the case. But I always tell people that the problem with integration is it came with the quota. And so they'll let you in, but they're only, they're only going to let a few of you in. And so people thought it was going to be like, oh, it's going to be 50-50 us and them. If you look at all the stats, you see that's not the case. But apparently we have equality and inclusion. And so... I, I, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I'm not mad at somebody for preserving themselves. That's what they're supposed to do. I have to be doing my part to preserve things for myself. And in a lot of ways, that doesn't look like going to them and asking them to preserve me because we've already seen how that plays out. And so I've just seen like Paris is getting money. Sierra's getting money all up and down the timeline. Everybody's getting money. Everybody's getting promotions. Everybody's getting hooked up. And it's because we created something instead of complaining to get access to something that somebody else created. And so now everybody's coming with this. Like we brought the whole team with us. They're going to Ocean Prime on Thursday talking about, look at me eating that Ocean Prime. (laughs) Like, and it's just dope because on your job, maybe one person gets to live like that. It's just all this competition to get ahead. And I feel like it benefits them. And that's why I'm not big on competition. Competition benefits them. It does not benefit us. If we build, like, it's just, it's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying and what's just interesting and refreshing at the same time. It's like, I'm not even telling y'all to not compete with me so that you can make less money and I can make all the money. I'm telling you not to compete with, compete with me so that you can also get the support of me thrown behind what you're doing. Like, I would rather work with me and make more money than say, uh, I don't want to work with Charles because I don't want him to make money too. I want to be the pers- only person making money over here. And that's effectively what they're saying. They're like, I don't want to make money and Charles make money too. But affiliates don't care and they be eating well. So it's like, we just got to reshift our mind. Like 
that's the thing that's frustrating. And one thing that I realized about Dame Dash is like Dame Dash. I talked about this. I'm not sure if I talked about this in the podcast, but he went to boarding school. He went to private school. When you're at boarding school and private school, it's not like public school. In public school, you have the haves and the have-nots. In boarding school, everybody has. And so he's like, I've seen what they've had. I want us to have. And that's the same mm-hmm. thing. As I want us all to eat. I'm not over here just like, like, that's what a wealthy community looks like. You drive through Beverly Hills, you drive through Newport Beach, it's nice house, 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 nice car, nice car, nice car, nice car. Retired wife, retired wife. They just be out here. It's so funny. I was in Newport Beach. You just see why just jogging with the little babies and the little carriages. And I was like, that's that's how life is supposed to be. And it would get there if we would work together. Like, that's what it, I, I, I had a tweet a long time ago. And I was like, if we work together, our wives won't have to work. But we out here crabbing each other out. And then your wife got to wake up and go work for other men. And then you wonder why. Because we're doing things wrong. We, we like, like Trapper says all the time, he's like, we're playing the game wrong, man. We're playing the wrong game. Mm-hmm. More working together. All working together like that. And speaking of working together, for the listening audience, please be on the lookout for the Black Man Building Wealth Conference Part 2 coming in October. And Charles, you said, when you have a large amount of cash, people switch up on you. They start thinking they're going to get to where you are by getting over on you. Um, that's a very interesting tweet. Um, I don't even know what inspired that tweet. I can't even think of it. Let's pass on that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was going to say, he's passing that one. You said, I got here by putting money in people's pockets, not taking money out. It's pretty much what you're doing just now. I feel like those tweets kind of are related. Um, I just yeah. I just feel like sometimes people, they they can kind of see you as their come up. And it's not a it's not a good feeling. And But, but also, I've realized that maybe when I was like in the beginning phases, I might have kind of done that same thing to other people. And how do, how do you do that? You bring somebody a deal where you get the big piece of chicken and they get like 10% or they just get like whatever. And you're like, well, you already rich. You don't need to get more rich. It's like, no, like they want to get richer. And I just feel like people don't even realize they're doing it. They feel like they feel like you are on. So you should help me get on instead of like finding a way for it to be mutually, mutually beneficial or even finding a situation that benefits them more. I would rather bring somebody a deal where if you don't have any money and they can make the larger percentage and you take the lower percentage just for facilitating the deal, you're going to get better odds approaching it that way than approaching it as if you're on their level and you should be able to get treated as that level when a lot of times that deal couldn't go through without without that person. Like when I used to work at the family office, I'd bring him deals and I'd always wonder why like he, he wouldn't really want to do it. And and I just I realized through this iteration, maybe I was presenting it wrong. Maybe I was kind of creating a deal where it just it wouldn't it wouldn't benefit him as much as it would benefit me. I would be getting put on and I'll be getting put on that level. And sometimes people don't want you to get to that level. Like sometimes Jewish people, they don't they want you to help them get richer and they want to keep you where you are. And that can be an inspiring in itself. And so I was I had a tweet and I was like, sometimes being underpaid is a great motivator because it's like if you know what you're worth and they're not giving it to you, you're gonna find a way to get that worth if you're truly worth that. And I've experienced that in working for sometimes Jewish families is like, they'll bring you on, but they ain't going to make you rich because they're focused on making more Jewish people rich. <laughs> and and you're just going to take a backseat on that. And it is what it is. But at the same time, you got to be building your system. You got to be putting yourself out there. You got to be building your brand and your family office and all these different things for yourself. So when you work for a family office, you get a cut of the deals that you bring to the, to the office? No, no. No, nope. oh. it's mostly like mostly like legal work. So oh. you're, you're looking the way, at the way you the said it. Just not like I thought you were saying that you you were looking to. Well, I mean, space. I had brought 
I had brought opportunities to the office, like on a side, it wasn't a part of my job description. I was just like, Hey, like I found this lot in Huntington beach and it was a really nice lot. We could have built some like multi or mixed use multifamily stuff on top. And on that deal didn't end up going through, but we're just looking at other different deals, like buying land and building single family homes. Like maybe if I would have stuck around there longer, maybe we could have eventually put together something, but you, you essentially become like a tool for them to build more wealth, not like a partner for them to build wealth with. They partner with other Jewish people and that's just how they feel. And for those of you listening who never heard of a family office, um, well, the first time I ever heard of family office was, I think, it's either doing this podcast or one of your tweets. But either way, you were the first person I ever heard use that term, family office. So, I mean, there must be somebody listening that might never heard of it. So, give us a quick rundown. Maybe I asked you this last week. I think you did, but I don't think I really got a chance to explain, like, how they even got wealthy in the first place, because I think that matters. Like, a lot of times we, we, we see wealthy people and we're just like, oh, they're wealthy. Like, no, like, what do they do? I always analyze and investigate, like, what do they do? How do they start? What do they start with? Because we always look at the end result. And we never look at, like, okay, well, there's this guy. And he just had a little snack part cart and he was pushing the snack cart and now it's Carl's Jr. Like that's how you get there. And so what he did is he was working as an accountant, which is a really, really strong degree. It's a very good degree when you're looking to get into business because you just understand how business works. Um, and so he was doing that and then he ended up getting the opportunity to buy like a restaurant and it was a restaurant that was actually run by the employee and it was just like a really, really good deal. He didn't have to be there, didn't have to rent it. And so because he didn't have to be there and run it, he could scale it. And so he started buying more and more and more and more and more more restaurants and ultimately owned like a ton of restaurants and um he took that business and they sold it to like the company that owns coco's and then he became like massively wealthy like 200 million dollars rich and um from there they started doing some other stuff so they were doing like house flipping and they were doing like like investments and lending and so at that point when they did have the family office it turns into kind of like a bank and so people will bring them loans and they would say, hey, I'm looking to flip this house. Will you finance this for me? Hey, I'm going through some trouble. Will you help me out with some cash and you can put like a, a, a note on my house? And so if you give me cash and you can put a note on my house and then if I pass away, you can kind of just foreclose or take it and put it into your trust. And so in a lot of ways, it was a bank. But what was really cool about it is it wasn't just like when you get to that level, you still don't use your own money. <laughs> And so what he was doing is they own these commercial buildings. They own these like these high rises and they own two. And what they did is I think they bought those buildings in cash and then they put the line of they put a line of credit on those buildings. And that's what they started their lending business with. So they were lending out of a line of credit. And that line of credit was then you have an offset. And so you're not you don't have your money out. Your money's still safe. Your money's still stuck in that real estate. Worst case scenario, they foreclose, they take the buildings, likely won't happen. And so you're 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 loaning out a million dollars at twelve percent with all your fees built in. And then the bank's charging you 3%. And so you're making 9% on money that's not even yours. And so if you lend out enough money, if you lend out, like I think they have, maybe you have like a $100 million line of credit, you lend out $100 million, you're making 9% on that. Now you're making $9 million a year off of money that's not yours. You just have to maintain that business. And it might even cost you a million dollars to maintain that business with your accountants, your lawyers, your, your loan uh, doc specialists, all that stuff. So now you're making $8 million a year. That's pretty good living to me. Um, but he understood finance. It helps to have that that level of understanding. Like he was an accountant, so he just understood how numbers worked. He was able to put together deals that made sense. And um, he had two in-house attorneys. And so like that's when you get really wealthy, you got to have people on staff working for you. And it makes sense to do it. And so like that's the real goals. The real goal is to get to that level. Um, I would I would like to get to family office status. Like it's funny because when you when like that's why working is really important and not just waiting and hoping is important because you're gonna see stuff that's gonna inspire you while you're working. Um, it might be at the place that you're working at. It 
It might be the customers that come in there. It might be all these different things, but it's going to help take you to that next level. Because as you learn more about that, how the other side lives, it's just mentally preparing you to go out there and get the, get it for yourself. Because then you want it. You've seen it. A lot of people, they don't ever strive for it because they've never seen it. All they know is the block. And so all they know is... This is what exists. And so this is what I'm aiming for. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get by. But it's like, when you get out there and you've seen some stuff, it's like, okay, I'm just, I'm just waiting. Visit getlacedlaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to getlacedlaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out guaranteed. That's www.getlacedlaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. Yeah, so basically uh, a family office is literally an office full of people preserving and growing a rich family as well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And like you said, you never every, heard. Hmm? Um, we used to do a lot of business. Well, not a lot of business, but we were attempting to do some business with Larry Ellison. He's like the third, fourth, fifth richest person in the world, multi-billionaire. And he has a family office. And I forget what it's called. But um, it's it's common. It's just not really talked about a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I just found the other day that... Um, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, not not Jay Z and, and um, created the first ever family office back in like 1882, and it still exists to this very day. And you can Google it; like, it still wow. exists to this day. You can Google it; they have a website and everything right there, and it's right there in um, Manhattan, in New York. So you can Google it and go to their website. We want to know how did I find out? I was watching a, a webinar with this lady, a black woman called Vanessa Braxton, who owns company Black Mama Brands, makes Black Mama Black Mama Vodka, Black Mama Teas and Cafes. Mm-hmm. She's getting ready to take up company public. And she was talking, she's like, well, people don't know about these things, family offices and deal flow and stuff like that. And she was saying that she has a family office. It's a black woman that most of us never even heard of, but she's at a level of us. She has her own family office. What's frustrating is all of us could have a family office. The thing is, I was watching this Dr. Boyce Watkins um, interview, and he was saying, like, in the black family, you have a bunch of professionals all in the same house, and one person will go to this firm, another person will go to that firm, another person will go to that firm, another person will go to that firm, instead of bringing all their resources into their household and building up their own firm. And so I talked to my mom a lot. And me and my mom, when we talk, we have business conversations. We don't just be having like casual conversations because I'm a casual guy. And I was telling her about how like us working together will create like a dream team effect. I was like, she handles the taxes. She handles the accounting. She's been going through paying all the property taxes for the properties, getting the insurance set up, make sure that we have all this stuff done for like taxes and all that stuff. And I've been paying her. Like I've on like, I pay her on a retainer each month. I'm sending her money to just get everything tightened up. Which is interesting because in the beginning of the business, people were like criticized, criticized, criticized. We didn't have the budget to get to that point. Like it's just unorganized. When else going to be dumb organized? But my point is like it, we, it shouldn't be a situation where we're like hoping that it can work out. I was like, mom, I have this huge following. If I send an email to my email list, I can get you a hundred tax clients. You shouldn't have to work for tax clients because you have a son who has a following. You have a son who has an established business and all these other things and vice versa. Like she shouldn't like, it shouldn't be all on you. It's like, it's just, it's funny because I think about this and we always think about starting a business and it sounds like a struggle. It shouldn't have to be a struggle all the time. 
it should really just be like, like that's what generational wealth is. That's what privilege is. Somebody else put the work in so you could have it easy. It's, it's, it, but a lot of times what we'll do is we, if we put the work in and we're like, well, you got to put the work in too. It's like, no, just put the work on top. How do you think you get Donald Trump to billionaire status or whomever these people are to billionaire status or even Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos' parents had wealth. They put him on top. They didn't say, nah, bro, go out and get it yourself. Bill Gates' parents had money. They put him on top. If you really start looking at this stuff, nobody starts from ground zero but us. These Asian kids come over here, they're not starting from ground zero. Their parents just be funded under the debt. They're just like, bro, just go to school and learn. I don't want you to work in no part-time job at KFC. I don't want you doing none of that stuff. Your job is to learn. Your job is to get A's. If you ain't getting no A's, we got a problem because I gave you all the ability to get A's. And they go out there and they get A's. We're like, they're so smart. Like, no, they don't got to worry about all the stress we put our kids through. That's why they can get A's. It's very easy to get A's when you don't got no worries. I know because when I was in law school and I was working a full-time job and I was living in downtown LA, it was a lot a lot more difficult to get A's than when I moved back home and stopped working all together. And I could literally just wake up, study the law, study all day, go to sleep, migrate or night and day. And so I just, I feel like it's, it's interesting, but it's also frustrating, but it kind of also comes into the, like the, the competition individualism. Like we get taught to be individuals and we're competing against people who don't compete as individuals. They compete as teams and we're getting blown out. And we're like, man, why we keep losing? Well, bro, cause you're out there competing with the, even the family office. It was a father son operation. And actually they sent his other son to, to kind of fall in line. It was about to be a multi-generational company. Like that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to like my dad, he has so much knowledge. I'm like, bro, if you just brought that into my Basically, kill it. We can kill it. The barbershop business be killing it, but we don't want to do that. We're just like, no, that's your business. And we treat it like a job. It's not a job. You should be able to have every person in your family on that business. Like even with like my wife's businesses, like I don't want her to feel like she has to do it, there, do it by herself. Like, no, I'm gonna promote, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna push, I'm gonna invest, I'm gonna help you get there. Like it shouldn't be like, it's not a job. We see everything as a job. We can only see it as like individualists because that's just all we've ever known. And so it's like, I just, I don't know if we can really appreciate the gravity of that message. But it's like my mom and me working together is dynamic. Me doing it by myself is great. But imagine if I have somebody else on there that is just as invested as I am, just as qualified, educated, capitalized as I am. Like, what can we touch then when there's two of us, when there's three of us, when there's four of us? What can we touch? Of course, we can do these things. So it's like you don't even have to reinvent the wheel. They've already given you the blueprint. They've already given you the game plan. We just got to actually execute on those things and not say that's white people stuff. Like, no, that's right people stuff. <laughs> Uh, bro, you said I never one up people because beating you is isn't my goal. Yeah, um, this is kind of a crazy, crazy story. But I, I never forget. I was uh, it was a long time ago, and I got this gold watch, and I thought my gold watch was killing it. And then, like, one of my friends went and got the same brand watch, but they got the bigger gold watch. And I was like, man, like, why are you doing me like that? And so I realized I had this revelation because. Like I went and got my Panerai and it's like, I got the Panerai for myself. Like I'm not out here like watching what everybody else is doing and then making my moves based off of what they're doing. And I feel like, I just, I just feel like it's not healthy to make your friends and your peers your competition. It, it brings down morale. It makes people unhappy and it, it can kind of create not a very healthy culture. And so for me, it's like, I'm not looking to one up somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm in my own lane. Like, I'm not out here trying to, like, compete with anybody. I'm out of here trying because it's like, I feel like it's a low goal. Like, trying to beat the next person is a low goal. Trying to become the best version of yourself is probably the highest goal that you can set. And so it's like, I don't want to be like, oh, they got a Rolex. I got to get the better Rolex. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to just get what I like. I'm going to just do what I want. 
And so like everything that I tweet is to inspire us to do better. It's not really to just like talk shit. It's like, I don't think we should be out here one up in each other. I, I just, I feel like we should be uplifting each other, but not one upping each other. And that's just kind of where I am. It's like, if we, I just want to build a healthy community. And I feel like there's certain, certain pieces of our community that aren't the healthiest. If we can get those out of here, we can, we can see some, some of the goodness of the world. No shade to anybody who's ever bought a bigger watch than me, though. Keep living your life, man. <laughs> Live your life. What was the last? You got another planner right recently, right? I did. I, yeah, I had to keep that on the low because I got the first one. My wife was like, she was kind of upset. She was like, you babe, how much for what? But I did get another one. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm kind of good now. I don't think I need any more. Like, I go on the internet and I look and I'm like, uh, I don't need any more. I'm not going to get a Rolex for a long, long time. So like I'm con- I'm content. Um, it's a great looking watch. I actually had it on when I was in the crash, but it, it didn't get it didn't didn't get damaged. I automatically thought it did get damaged, but I didn't. But yeah, I have two now. So I got the first one. It's a Luminor, and the second one is a Radio Mirror. Cool man. I mean, I like watches. Yeah. Congrats, brother. Um, yeah, well, contentment is a key welfare principle, man, because it will keep you from spending all your money on shit you don't need right. trying to impress people. Right. So. I, w- I had this thought. I had this thought, and I was like, "Man, I feel like people who don't have money try to act like they have more money than they have, and people who do have more, have money try to act like they have less money than they have." And it's like, you don't want to be a target when you really have the resources for somebody to target. When you don't, you right. be like, look at me, look at me, I'm shining. Right, 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 right. It's like backwards. Right, right. So explain this one. You said, I think I know what you mean, but I don't know for sure. You said real estate was cool until y'all ruined it. Man, I forgot. I feel like I got it. I got it. So I was working on a deal. This wholesaler. And... I'm just thinking we're going to go 50-50 on the exit. And this person's over here like, well, I should get paid to do this. And I should get paid to do that. And I should get paid to do this. And I was like, man, I was like, this just reminds me of like what real estate has become. I have this theory. I have this theory that when people started seeing how much investors could make, they started wanting to get a bigger share than they should be taking. Um, and so that's true with wholesalers. That's true with contractors where you have these contractors and they're, and they're bidding these jobs. And it's like, I don't know how you justify that because the materials are nothing. It's like, you you expect to get paid like, like a lot of times what will happen is if you look at a house and you bid up the, the ARV on that house, a lot of Detroit contractors, their rehab budget is going to get it to the point where you don't make any money. And so like, that's their, that's their, that's their, I've, I've just seen it too many times. So you buy this house, you bought it, you buy three family and it costs us $10,000. <clears> and the ARV on that, t- on that, on that, that house is maybe $65,000. And then your rehab budget's 50 grand. I'm just like, huh? 50 grand? Like that doesn't make any sense. I've got a multiple bids. And the other situation is it's like you get a house and you might've got the house for like dirt cheap, like five grand. And then the rehab budget comes in at 25 and the house is going to be worth 35 after, after repair. I just found that like those numbers don't make sense because they aren't looking at what it's going to take them to get it done. They're looking at how much money that you can make. And they're like, nah, I want some of that. But they know, these people know, they know how much the homes are worth. They know how much, all, they probably know how much you paid for it. They know who owned it, especially in Detroit. Like these people know more about the real estate than you know about the real estate. Um, and wholesalers are the same. It's like, you get this deal from a wholesaler and there's no profit left in for you. It's like it used to be a, like, it used to be a time when you could get a deal that made sense on paper, but they're fudging the numbers. They're getting these homes for super cheap and they're walking away with like $40,000 assignment fee. And so like, I've just realized that real estate, getting wealthy in real estate might be kind of like a thing of the past in this market because everybody is so knowledgeable in the space that everybody's trying to get their piece. And so if everybody's getting their piece, but they're getting too much of a piece, then there's no piece left over for you. And I've always been the kind of person that's like, I want you to eat, but I want to eat too. I shouldn't be starving, hoping for appreciation, hoping this property cash flows for the next two years 
just because you took all the equity and the wholesalers take all the equity. Think about it. If you buy a bad wholesale and then you get a contractor that doesn't give you a good enough bid or who gives you like a crappy bid, you're not going to make any money, Raphael. And the goal is to make your money on the buy. The goal is to make money yeah. the day that you sign those documents. And a lot of us, the deals that we're getting sent, you can't. Wholesalers, people these days are hip. They're like, you know what? I would actually rather be the wholesaler than be the investor. One of the, one of the dudes who sold me my second house, who used to be an investor, all he does is wholesale now. And he wholesale like a hundred homes last year. And he's like, why would I, why would I rehab a property, have to go through inspections, have to deal with these contractors, have to do all this stuff when I can just get this house and make 10 grand and put no money out of pocket and just walk away. 10, 15 grand. They're making 10, 15 grand. They're selling and they're like another frustrating part is like, they're not even giving us deals. And so it's like, I used to get deals where it made sense on paper. Now I get a deal and like that ROI. I used to get like 50%, 60% ROI. Now we're getting like 20% ROI. It's like, how did the home prices go up but the rents didn't go up? That makes no sense to me. Like it should be reflective of everything. The ROI shouldn't change. The ROI, like rents, if it's a rental property, the rent value is going to drive up the actual cost of the property, not some buyer's opinion of what they can get. And so what they're doing is they're taking these properties and they're selling them off to foreign buyers. And these foreign buyers are just scooping them up, scooping them up, scooping them up. You wonder why they don't care if they're going to overpay because pretty soon they're going to flip it and it's going to be all $200,000 homes and they're going to price it so that nobody can live there. And so that's what people don't see. They think they're getting a deal. They're giving us something that doesn't make sense because I'm going to rent to black people. But yeah. Abib is not. Abib is buying up the block because he has a bigger vision. His vision is pretty soon we getting these black folks out of here. And so like they think that the homes are worth more when they're really not, but they're worth more to them. My grandma, the community that she lives in, she paid $40,000 for her house years ago, years ago. And there's somebody in her community going through, plucking up all these homes and all the homes are selling for like 200 grand. So my grandma paid 440,000, he's selling it for 20 grand. And so what's gonna happen is, she's in the mindset that her home is only really worth $40,000. She's just happy she gets her money out. And so some wholesaler is gonna come to her and say, you know what, I'll give you 60. She doesn't really know if she were to put 20,000 into that house to be worth 200,000. And so they're kind of banking on you not even having the $20,000 to put into the house in the first place to get it to the $200,000 number. And so they're right. finessing us and we don't even see it. But what's really bad is a lot of times we do the work for them. We're just like, I'm getting the bag. You've given away your whole community. You ain't got nothing no more. Now we're really getting pushed down. Like, I just, I don't think people really think about these things. I just think they, they go after the buck. And that's why I'm just, I'm not a fan of wholesalers. I'm really not. Mm. Yeah, okay. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that, man? Um, I definitely see where you're coming from, man. I, I, honestly, I, I don't have much uh, experience with real estate. So, but when I first heard you talking about wholesaling in that manner, I was like, that's interesting. Like, we're trying to like, gentrifying ourselves in the wrong way. Wholesalers coming in, getting a, a house for the low from an old black lady or something, and then flipping it to some investor from outside of the neighborhood, and then they come in and they jack up the prices and, and do stuff like that. We gotta, we gotta be more creative, more thoughtful in the beginning. Like, you gotta see stuff for what it is. Yeah, and like, uh, that's why I really like that conversation we were having with Paris when she was on the show. I think that was episode 15, something like that. The episode with Paris. Uh, we gotta think. We gotta think, man. We gotta. We gotta follow more blueprints, like Chris Senegal and what he's doing in, in Houston. Uh, which reminds Chris, me, he's of this. He's of the same mindset. He made a comment. He was because uh, I, I posted something and I was saying like I feel like wholesalers are just a new slave trader. Slave traders were getting the bag, and slave traders look just like it was Africans selling African slaves. It wasn't white folks selling African slaves. And so like we're effectively doing the same thing. People don't realize that like in a lot of ways they just got us to do their bidding. They can't say the N word. So now who's saying the N-word? We still saying the N-word. It still has the same impact.
that. They can't kill us, so they just flipped us so that we start killing us. Like, we've done a lot of their dirty work for us, for them. They don't got to do it anymore. They're just like, ah, I'll get Tyrone to do it. Tyrone take out Nixie Hustle. Like, we got to really see, I don't know, it's just very interesting. What were you going to say about Chris? Yeah, well, for sure, we got to watch people at camera see what he's doing. We got to be more creative and more thoughtful. Like, and for those listening, you can always go to, the, the fund is closed, but you can go to buytheblock.com and check out the revitalizing Fit Forward and Houston project. It's, it's still up there. The information is still up there. You can watch the presentation. You can even look at his pitch deck and everything and see what he's doing. The fund is closed and he raised over a million dollars. The max he could raise legally is like one million seventy thousand. He, he pretty much hit that. And the largest investment you could put in was ten thousand. So he, he did it. And the way he's doing it is just he, he's somehow he's keeping the people that who are already there at the same time bringing in young black professionals with higher incomes to the neighborhood so you can raise up the na- the income in the neighborhood and entice businesses to come into the neighborhood and by raising the income in the neighborhood by bringing people back that can afford it that means the business that come in can be sustainable and he's going from there and like he's and he's being transparent because he says he wants people to follow his blueprint in other cities that's why he's not really moving into a bunch of other cities like that because he wants cool. people to actually see what he's doing and copy it. that's interesting i would do something like that in, in los angeles yeah man i mean and his information's up there it's still up there i, I like that yeah, I mean, he actually uh, he sent me a text yesterday. I don't know how he got my number, but he sent me a text and he was saying like he's doing some work with uh, Master P and he was like um, they're launching something and he wanted to know if he could um, tag in some of the content that I've created um, to kind of put together in that package. And I was like, yeah, I got I got some stuff for you. Um, and I was like, that's it's just it's interesting how how stuff goes. Um, and I think maybe one of the reasons why he did even think of me is because I did invest into his project as well. And so I feel like that's important to not just get so caught up in yourself that you can't help other people because it's going to come back to you. We're on a a, a podcast this morning. We were talking about how like you don't want to give out bad karma because bad karma is going to come back to you. And I kind of made the point that like the opposite is also true. It's like the the more good you put out there, the more good is going to start chasing you. So it's dope to see what's happening. Um, I support everybody and what they're doing. The only thing I don't support is Tony the Closer. But um, I just, just, man, it's so frustrating. I wish you would let it go. I, I, I I either wish you would let it go or I wish Jim Morrison would give his money back or whatever that situation is. Cause it's just like, I feel like it's another one of those situations where I told you they use us against ourselves. It's it's like, he's really dragging down everything that Jay has done, even despite the clean record. People will say that you're not good, even though you're, there's all this evidence that you are good. Like, I think it's kind of interesting how the whole like dividend question has come about. People are expecting an 8% return on $10 million in year one. Um, and so a lot of people are upset about that. And I wish that wasn't the case. And so for me, I'm like, I hope that he just gives them their money back and let them go. Cause that's what I do. I'm like, if you don't want to work with me, peace out. Um, I'm not, you don't got like, I feel like, cause you don't want people in your deal that doesn't want to be there. That's like one of the worst things. And it's very frustrating because with real estate, you can't really, it's not liquid. So you don't really have the ability to say like, oh, here's your thousand dollars back. Like, no, like we put it in property. So it's like, I don't know. It's very interesting dynamics, but everybody except, and it's not even, I'm not even against Tony the Closer. I'm against his methods because, I mean, he's a cool dude. I listened to his podcast with Xavier and I was like, his story is inspiring. He's done, he's done some cool stuff and apparently he's skilled and he's having some success, but I just, I don't want us to, to have issues like that. And I just, not even want to just, uh, like, I don't want people to be coming at me like that. I don't want people to be coming at Tony like that because people were trying to come for him like that. And I was like, I, I don't want that happen. That's not, we're community building. That's what Chris is doing. Chris is building a, a community and you can't have ghetto 
real shit in your community. If he does, imagine if he does all this stuff and he does all this building and then people out there fighting in the, in the, in, in the front of the house. Like, who can't yeah. do that, man? Right. I was thinking to myself, like, me and you, we need to, we, we put a little money in there. We need to go up there and see this thing in the flesh. I was thinking it's funny if you run into certain other people that we don't know. We don't know who else is invested in this thing. It would be sad if we go over there and then it's like we bump into somebody that is hating on you online and it's like, you got to look at each other mm-hmm. all awkward, like, like we shouldn't be fighting like that we shouldn't i feel like we're all we're all chasing the same thing you just might be chasing it differently and it's like we need both you need need all the approaches we need all right we need all the approaches it can't just be like oh well since you're approaching my approach and you're wrong and you whack you a scammer and you a fraud it's like no it's like we the the solution's in the middle it's not on the the left or the right and i think that's why america runs the way it runs because you need both sides of thought you need an america that pushes social programs forward but you also need a program you need an america that tells you to get it yourself and so it's like yeah we need to be making these things in abortion gay marriage all that stuff and so like that's why you have like you're going to get your eight president you're going to get your eight years of of a of a republican president it it's just it has to happen like that otherwise you become too balanced on one side and we become a nation of hoes <laughs> yeah i mean i personally feel like i said we need all the approaches we need to throw everything at this uh racial wealth gap problem it just has to be something that works they all just need to be something that actually works like spending money on jordans to wear your feet i mean some people are going to argue what oh you can always flip the jordans okay okay if you can flip the jordans and make five times your money and you can sustain that fine but if you're just buying 200 jordans to wear on your feet and impress somebody on the block that's stupid if that's all it's all about and you broke i'm saying if you got if you're making big money you buy 200 dollars and hey that's on you Oh, more power to you. But if you're broke and you're buying two hundred dollars Jordans just to wear and impress somebody else that's also broke, that doesn't work. Not that doesn't work for your people. I but, feel like that kind of speaks to the idea we're talking about. Like, there's a time and a place. Like, there's a time and a place to invest a certain way, and there's a time and a place to consume a certain way. If you're not at that point, you don't need to be consuming at that level. It's like, yeah, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, I might have bought some shoes, but I invested ten times that amount this week. So I was like, what's the trade-off? I feel like I'm still making intelligent decisions despite me kind of like having some fun with the money. Right. Well, we need all the approaches, man. We need and we need people to be having different approaches and not fighting each other. And we need the people that said, man, if you want to get somewhere, then you got to dress up, you got to wear a suit and tie. We need that. We also need the people that say, man, bump a suit and tie. I'm going to wear what I wear, but I'm just going to go hard for mine. I'm going to get my regards. I don't need a suit and tie. We need both. Just as long as we move it in the right direction. Yeah. I feel like the attacks are what's bad. It's like we have to like just I, I, I told somebody I was like, I'm not here to impress my values upon you. I'm just here to just live my values. <laughs> if you want to come and you want to ask why I do certain things, that's great. But I'm not over here like you're bad for doing this. The only time I really even bring up stuff like that is like if somebody is doing stuff that's not lucrative and they're complaining about their situation, then I'm gonna make a then I'm gonna say something. But like, don't come to me complaining. And then if I give you a solution, you're like, you get mad at me for giving you a solution. But if you are content with where you are and the results that come with what you're getting, by all means, live that life, man. But don't be out here talking about we broke and we got all these Jordans. Yeah, but man, we need it all, man. We need people starting their own business. We need people to get, get better jobs. We need people getting more education, college education. We need more people doing trades. We need all the ways to get to the money. Everybody needs to be owning something, business, homes everything we need it all man we, we we are not in a position to to turn our nose up to to anything as long as it works 
You just gotta combine it all together, man. Yeah. I would agree with that statement, sir. On that note, I think I need to wrap it up because so you only have so much time tonight, right? Yeah, and my ribs are still cutting, hurting. It's so funny, like I can't find nothing to watch on TV. Like I don't There's watch a lot of TV. Watch. Right. I don't watch a lot of TV in general, but it's like, man, I'm tired of watching Drinks Champs podcast. Like yeah. and I don't I don't even really like I I don't their their podcast is so weird because it's not a lot of like substance. Right. Like sometimes there's some gems in there, but like I just I don't know. It's not I don't I don't know what they talk about. It's just cool seeing some of the guests they bring on there. But I wish it was more powerful. They don't have a focus. Like the best ones is like if they bring if they bring Master P on or Dave Dash on because they talk about business and mm-hmm. elevating our, our people. But other than that, it could go anywhere. And the problem is more the more Nori drink Nor, Nori Nori will ask a great question and then cut the person off before they could answer. <laughs> and he goes from here to here to here. Goes in too many different directions, especially the more you drink. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it kills it. Um, it kills it. There's this uh, this quote. I was watching more with Lee Arcone just because I kind of wanted to, to see who this guy is that Dame Dash hates. <coughs> and uh, he made this comment, and he was talking about 360 deal. And they were talking about 360 deals and why they do them. And um, DJ EFN or whatever his name is, he was like, yeah, but it has like a negative connotation. And Lior Cohn said like, it has a negative connotation because we're the first to do it. And I thought that was profound because you experience that whenever you do anything new, when you start saying, I'm gonna charge $25 for affiliates, People are like, it's it's negative when you create the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Like everybody's so critical of the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, but it's the first. They're still trying to figure it out. Like, can we let us figure it out It's it, before we try to condemn it and call it all these different things, despite it having a great health check? They went through all these different, like they had to do crazy stuff that no other funders had to do in their first year. But um, yeah, I need to find something to watch. Because I was trying to find, like, I feel like there's not even any good movies these days because they stopped putting movies in theaters. So I'm just like, man. Right. I think they need to switch that model. Like, just give us some movies and just charge us 20 bucks for the first three months while it's in theaters and then release it to rental the same way. But just not doing any movies at all, it's just crazy. There's nothing to watch. I, I thought they were doing that, though. I thought they were releasing them so you can watch them at home. I'm waiting for the James Bond movie. I'm waiting for James Bond coming out, man. Well, like, but. the good movies, like, the high-dollar budget movies, they're just postponing the release. So, like, Mulan, they, they postponed it. I'm pretty sure James Bond, they did the same thing. Unless they're going to release yeah. it. If they're going to release it at home, that'd be great. But, like, I feel like the model has to change because I could see myself, if that becomes the case, I would just get a bigger TV and a better sound system. Like, I really could see myself, like, investing in really doing something at that level because I want a bigger TV. I look at this TV, I'm like, that's kind of small. And it used to be a big TV to me. But yeah, man, best I can I'm tell like, you, man, the Death Row. I, I watched, started watching the Death Row Chronicles. It's all right. Is it more about gangster, gangster stuff, or is it more about business? Uh, you know what? I feel it's it's more about the drama and the gangster stuff, and a lot of behind the stories, behind the scenes stories. But there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of business in it because they have to tell you about how we get into the business. It's not enough business in it. I, I think yeah. it's not enough business. There's like one part where they talk about like the lawyer and they like show you like pretty much a, he wrote up kind of like a contract almost on a piece of paper. And so I was like looking at it, like looking at it. So it's pretty good to look at it, but they don't show enough of it on the screen. But I want to see the Master P one. Yeah, me too. So let's see if I can, if I can find that on TV somewhere. I just don't have cable. Find like- you, need, you need to have cable to watch BET. What cha- I don't even know what it's on BET. That's what it's on. Yeah, it's like a five part yeah. docu series. I gotta get the I have the app. 
Yeah, well, unless you have cable, you can't watch it. Well, it's not on the streaming app? It's not on, like, there's an app called BT Plus. It's not on that. Oh, it's not? Dang. Nah, that's why yeah. I thought. So I downloaded it and did, like, a free trial, and it's mm-hmm. not on there. The Defro yeah. one is on there, but not. It'll probably be there soon, but it's not there now. They want they want to push you to the, man, regular TV is so antiquated. That whole that whole business is just crazy. You got to watch ads. You got to watch. Yeah. You're still trying to hold on to that to that model. I feel like the world is going to change. We keep thinking that it's going to go back to normal, but I really think like it's just going to change. Like even with sports, like I look at this stuff and I was like, you know what? It's kind of actually, I mean, the players still get into it. It's still competitive because I mean, at the end of the day, you got professional athletes playing out there. So I think it's cool that they're able to do, do things leaner. I feel like the world should evolve um, instead of just like staying behind and doing nothing. Like even people talking about, like I have a friend who works at Google Apparently, he's not going back to work in the office until, like, June of next year. And so they're going to be working from home for, like, the next 10 months. Like, that's crazy if you think about it. But, like, why should we have to go into the office? Why should we have to commute to go sit in this building and have people look at us? Like, you could, we could probably make even more money if you didn't have to, like, live where you work. Because now there's people out there who are like, you know, I don't want to live in the Bay anymore. <laughs> and so they're leaving the right. Bay and they're taking their Bay Area pay and they're going to live in Michigan or they're going to live in Texas. My cousin, she has a job with AT&T that requires her to be mobile. She doesn't really work in an office. And she was living in San Diego, couldn't buy a home. She moved to Georgia. She bought a home this week. And so it's like, why do we have to do this stuff? If, if we can live life virtually, where we can have these conversations with people. And the crazy part about it is we've been doing this the whole time. I've been doing business virtually the, the past few years. Like my whole business has been a virtual business. And that's what's so cool about hiring employees is like I hire Sheridan we have conversations on just the phone through text messages all that stuff send a picture of the debit card she can take she can make purchases and whatnot so I feel like it'd be cool if the world evolves as opposed to just like shutting everything down so maybe I have to make investments with that in mind so it's like where are the opportunities right, right, right. I mean I think this I think COVID is bringing a lot of these sci-fi movies to, to real to real life the future all the stuff that the futurists were saying was going to happen it's finally starting to happen at least more quickly now everybody thought you know we know we're going to stop using cash we're going to go to online only like I think it's crazy that did you know that there's a coin shortage yeah I heard about that like, which is unfortunate because vending machines require crazy. coins if you don't have coins in vending machines they can't work unless you play the car reason and you charge more for the coin reader the car, car that's what i need to do exactly go card i need to go card um, I was going to say that it's so funny. Everybody was like waiting on a recession. And so we had that recession 10 years ago and they were like, oh, you got to be recession proof, recession proof. And then we got hit with a pandemic. And it's so, so funny that like people always try to like be ahead of stuff. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the recession didn't really push us to innovate. It pushed us to regulate. But I feel like now we're like having to, we're using technology more. So I've done a lot of online shopping. It's not my favorite, but um, you, I've, I've probably bought more stuff online in the past three months than I've ever bought <laughs> I bought so much stuff. I got my computer online. I got all these shoes, all this stuff. Like just, I just buy it online and I just ship it. Um, and it kind of, it kind of becomes a new normal on accident. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I feel like, at least in the black community, I don't think we innovated that much over the last recession. It was just like we kind of got hit hard by it, and then when jobs came back, then we got jobs back. For the most part, now I see people like in my city in North New Jersey. Um, they opened up a two weeks ago a, a driving theater at an old. There's an old um, baseball stadium downtown. It used to be a, a semi-professional baseball team. 
never been used for anything in like I don't know how long. And now they op- they're using the, they open it up to use as a driving theater. And I saw somebody on Twitter, a black lady. She started some business where she comes to your house and she sets up like a little theater in your like backyard or whatever. Wow, yeah. I think I did see something I, about that. I kind of don't want to talk about having all the copycats, but still, she can only do like one city. Oh. One state, yeah. whatever. But she sets up a theater in your in your yard. And I thought that was I um cool. I was watching the Laker game today, and what apparently what they did is at the Rose Bowl, the Laker girls and like I'm not sure who else, but they set up like a like a drive-in type situation to watch the Laker game. And so anybody who's in LA, they could go to the Rose Bowl, park their car. And just like watch the Laker game in like a drive drive through situation, the Laker girls are there cheering and whatnot. Right, just tailgate. Interesting. I feel like the world got evolved, man. I was watching some tennis and like they had everybody all spaced out, and so it's just interesting because like in downtown LA they have all these restaurants, and so like Yard House they used to have this huge indoor eating area, and now they just have all these tables outside, and they're just stretching all the way and wrapped around the building. And then Flemings is the same way. They're like, bro, we got to get this bag, and I feel like that's those. Are the people that that win the people that are like we got to get this this money like we can't sit around waiting for it to end we got to do whatever we got to do and those that's what an entrepreneur is that's what a business person is is somebody who takes the situation and still finds a way to win not waits on the most optimal situation to win and a lot of people do the opposite they're like well you know things are perfect then they'll be perfect and it's like you just got to perfect what you have it's so funny listening to like business people I heard Lear Cole make a comment. He was talking about how like streaming music is the first iteration of where it is. So it's only going to improve. But I was like, employees don't think like that. Business owners realize that you improve as you go along, that you make things better as you go along. Um, and you don't just like destroy your hands up at what it is. So it's kind of cool hearing that different mindset. Yeah, man, we gotta innovate. And it's kind of, it's easy for us in a way because like all the other folks, they got the money, yeah, but they got the big buildings too that they got to deal with, that they got that are empty that it can't bring people to like we're small we're agile we can just pop up and do stuff and we're creative i mean we see the people creative in the hood you know sooner or later you see somebody do some creative stuff in the hood and it's not exactly legal i'm not even talking about like drugs or nothing like that but you see people doing their little hustles and it's like man this guy this dude's creative we could take that creative creativity and do something with it man yeah. i feel it. like e-com to me is so powerful because it allows people to do just that like we just gotta do stuff instead of like because i feel like we have these great ideas but we're afraid of being first and so we wait for somebody else to do it before so we can say oh it's safe <laughs> it's safe for us to go um, but it's like, we could be doing so many more things, but it is cool to see the people that are doing things because it's just so funny. It's like, it's tough to put a business in the hood, but you can put a business online that reaches people in the hood and you can still have that same impact. I'm pretty sure there are people that, that live in those certain environments that tune into these shows or buy our digital content or follow us on social media. So it's just, it's cool that the internet has allowed that. And it's also cool that like life kind of evolves to kind of compliment you. One of the things I wanted to say though, is I feel like everything that we do, everything we set out to do, we get. Like, I'm sure you've realized this. Like, if you have a goal, you ultimately get that goal. Right. Um, I don't know why the world works like that, but it just does. And so what's interesting is if you look at, like, the African-American community, you look at, like, um, like civil rights. We wanted civil rights, and it seemed like it was so far gone. Now we take it for granted, but that was a struggle at that point in time. They're getting beat down. Right. And so I feel like 
closing the wealth gap is going to be the same way. It seems so far-fetched and so far gone, but I think we're going to get it, man. I feel like people are hungry for it. Um, that's become like the predominant focus of everybody. And so I really feel like it's going to happen. I mean, I've closed the wealth gap for my family and I feel like everybody else who's out there, they're hustling. People are making crazy money. One of the guys who took my course made like 17 grand last week. And what's dope is like they created their own group. So it's like you have these people who took my course, they've had success. And yeah, I have my group. And that's doing well. But then these dudes, the Billy Billionaire guy, the Mr. 100 and the Renaissance guy, they have their own little group chat where they're all kind of helping each other and they're all talking about different stuff. And so they've had a lot of success doing that. And it's just, I feel like we in the next four years are going to see some great stuff. We see people making money all over the place, just killing it. And we're going to close the wealth gap because we said we wanted to close the wealth gap. People are getting serious about supporting black businesses. They actually care. People are actually getting serious about creating their own business and putting their stuff out there and being their own boss. They're listening to Dame Dash. They're not over here thinking he's crazy because they're like, oh, he was kind of right, huh? And so it's like, I'm very inspired. And I think that a lot of really cool things are going to come out of these next four years. But I I couldn't imagine that happen if if Joe Biden gets elected. I'm kind of worried. It's not even him. I just feel like people, when, when they have somebody, in, in office, they're just like, cool, we can rest now. But nice, with, yeah. yeah, but with like, with Donald Trump in office, people are like, nah, we gotta get it. Like, they're like, he ain't gonna give it to us, so we gotta get it. And you realize, all of us is way more powerful than one man. One man, Raphael. We let one person think that they're either going to put us on or prevent us from getting put on. I feel like both those ideas are delusional. My wife's making pots. She's starting a pot business. Not weed, though. What? What? I got to promote your business. We're going to get you a commercial. We're going to get you everywhere. Pot business? Okay. Mm. A pot business? Grow pot. Pot in the pots. No, like clay. Clay pots. Uh, Why don't you use clay? You were talking about using clay. I thought you made cookware. I thought you made cookware. People got a cookware. Oh, no, not those kind of pots. Uh, You thought it was like cookware pots. We could create a potware brand, a cookware brand, though. Get some stuff from China, brand it. People got to cook at home now. You can't Mm -hmm. go out and eat. The children at home. Get some skillets and brand it. I'm pretty sure they have something on Alibaba for that. Oh, for sure. Martha Stewart can't get all the money. Martha Stewart cannot get all the money. Gotta get some of that cookware money. Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray, they're getting all the cookware money. We should be getting some of that, too. Get that pot money. Anyway, we ran out out of tweets. (laughs) No, I got some more. Let's go, man. This 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 turned into more of like a conversation about some other stuff. It did. Like I kind of feel like this one was like a little more education. Like I really like talking about the family office thing because I feel like we don't hear about that anywhere really. And when that lady was on when she was on the webinar, she was set. She she was saying, "Um, "I'm here talking to you about this because my people don't know about it." And she's like. Oprah don't talk about this. She ain't giving you this information. And trust me, Oprah got a family office. She said, Bob Johnson, he don't talk about this. And trust me, I see him at all the meetings. Because I guess somehow they have like conferences and stuff for people that have family offices. And, and she says she's the only black woman that she ever sees in there. Unless it's, uh, uh, unless it's like an employee of a uh, family office. But she's the only one that has their own that she sees in there. I feel like the interesting thing about like her even being at that level of wealth is she got there by selling things. She sold tea, she sold vodka. And so it's like, you got to create a product and you got to sell a but, bunch of that product. I think she started off as an engineer. Hmm. And also, she's what she did say is that 
she didn't she didn't get it completely out the mud. I mean, she kind of did, but she said her father set her up. Like her father used to buy stocks. So her father like left her and her siblings a bunch of stock and he put it, stuff in the trust to where that she she couldn't sell certain stocks until a certain age and stuff like that. She said, this man being dead for 26 years and he's still controlling stuff that I'm doing to this day. Wow. Because he set it up in a trust. And she's kind of mad because the siblings got this, they got to sell their stock whenever they fell, like, but she got restrictions. But anyway, but she's saying her father like, set it up. Wall Street Trapper, he put out something about turning your last name into an asset. And when he said that, I was immediately thinking about trust because it's like if you have the Oglesby family trust and then your responsibility is to fill that trust up with as many assets as possible. So it's like, man, what can we put in this trust? How can we build wealth? It's so crazy, but it's like it's difficult to do things for yourself, but it's easy to do things for other people. Like, I don't know why it's that way, but like when you start doing like bigger stuff, like it's easier to like, I don't know, build something for somebody else or save something for somebody else or invest and do things for somebody else. And so it's like, I think that concept is really dope. I think we should probably talk more about like trust because even the family office, everything went through the, everything went through that last name's family trust, everything. Like the owner, like the wealthy man, he didn't really have money on paper. The trust had all the money. And that's where you kind of want to get to. Yeah, man. I mean, you got to have these conversations. You got to start looking towards this kind of thing. Because people think about when they talk about generational wealth, and you will see some people say, like, um, the person gets rich, and then two generations later, the money's gone. Then people talk about, well, people stay rich because they teach their children how to perpetuate the wealth. But what we don't talk about is maybe it's more than just teaching the kids. It's setting up an entity that where it has to be perpetuated as well. Like, you don't talk about that. Yeah. So you're not just leaving them. You're not really leaving them money as much as you're leaving them like a business. Right. Like, um, it's so funny. I was watching this, this thing on like Johnson and Johnson. I think Johnson and Johnson's owned by some family, but like, they don't control the day-to-day of that of that business. It's run like a business and they just like get a bunch of money. It was like a documentary on like these really, 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 really rich people. And he was like, yeah, so like, a long time ago, my grandfather started Johnson and Johnson and he's like, I just own a bunch of shares and these shares just pay me a bunch of money, <laughs> but he's not in there in the board meetings talking about new products. He's might probably not qualified to do, the, do that. And so I feel like that's another way that you can get to that level is like, you don't really leave them money. You might leave them income. I feel like income is different than money. And that's why like in a lot of ways, I don't spend Gumroad money because that's not, that's like wealth. I spend the cash flow from the businesses that I know is going to come back the next month. And so I feel like you kind of have to set your kids up so they have income, but not so they have a pile of money because people blow through piles of money in, in the summer. So one thing I think we also need to think about, she was talking about how we need to to look to to supply like everybody like not just black people you gotta think about it we're only like what 13 percent population right and she was saying she doesn't do black hair products because it's like there's too many people doing black hair products you can't she's like i can't compete with all the people that are doing it like i can't like we gotta and she pivoted her business when the pandemic hit she took her manufacturing she started making sanitizer Hmm. Now she's talking about, she's about to put out uh, a spray for lice. She's like, that's not for our people. Yeah. Like, what do you think? <laughs> I thought that was your buddy, but. I think that, I think, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, I think that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm not going to watch anything. I'm going to just read. That's, I think that's what I have to do. Like, there's nothing to watch. I'm going to just start reading again. My son needs to see somebody reading anyway. I need to, he needs to, I was thinking, I was like, how am I going to have him enjoy reading if I don't show him me of me reading? But aside from that, um, Dr. Claude Anderson in the book Powernomics, he talks about how like you have to buy black, but sell to everybody. 
And so it's like, that's where we got to be. We can't just be creating all these like black, black products. I don't even really like to, somebody posted something, two things. Somebody posted something, I think about me being like a black business. And I was like, I never really looked at myself as a black business. I'm like, I'm a business. I'm like, I'm a black person that has a business. There's not like a black business. Right. I felt like she said, what's the difference? And I feel like. I don't, I don't I'm like I'm not selling like it's not like a black stock market. It's not, it's not predicated on black people buying. It doesn't have yeah. to be. Yeah, so I just have, on but certain things that I do are kind of aimed at helping us specifically. Um, but I never really just saw myself as that. But the other thing I saw somebody like the guy who designed my website, he did that. He was like, um, it in the beginning it said like black owned luggage company, and I was like, I don't think I want that on there. I don't know if that's bad, but I was like, I don't think I just want it to be like a luggage company. Like you should be selling to everybody, not just like I own this, just black only bags. Sometimes I wonder about that. It's like in a lot of ways, I don't think the solution is to like treat people like because it's like I, I I don't know. I feel like we fought so much to have like not all these white things, and then we just flipped it like, well, now these are black things. Now these ain't for you. I was like, what's the difference? It's, it's still racist. And so, I mean, I understand why we do certain things because the goal is to uplift and educate us. But I don't know. I feel like we got to kind of be like agnostic, like you're saying. Certain things for sure. Like, that's why I was glad when I saw the, um, the professional photo for, for the Views brand. I said, that guy doesn't look like he's black. I'm like, I was glad that, you know, other people will buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a black bag, it's not a black <laughs> person bag. It needs to be a brand that's just about. Is this a brand? It needs to be a brand for anybody that wants. It's about people that want to live that lifestyle and people that are in a certain socioeconomic class or whatever. You want to be that. You don't want to be a black brand, right? For for luggage. And, and I feel like there's there's. It's like you can't you can't not be black. So like I can't not have a black business. Like I can't be I can't right. not be a black business owner. So it's like I can still build what I got to build. I don't know. Yeah. So that's the way when they try to cancel us. Like you ain't black. I'm like okay, tell that to the person I walk down the street next to. She's she's not going to say like, oh, you're not a, a liberal. Okay. Like she's she's still going. You know. Anyway, it's always, what, what it's always weird when they say you're not black. When people say somebody's not black, I always think that's weird. Man. It's like when did they become the what's black police? I don't. Stuff. Then. <clears throat> I, don't I think the kid wants to come on the podcast. Not now, but maybe one of these days we can schedule her to come on. I think she wants to become a star. <laughs> maybe she go on the top cap the top millionaire podcast. Right. I hope You really gonna pass that off to somebody, man? Yes. Immediate. Right. I mean, it's it's scary. I feel like that's the the scary part is most people don't want to do that. Most people because we connect we we connect money with working and not money with ownership. Mm-hmm. We're like, nah. If I'm not on the, if I'm if I'm not the podcast host, I can't be making no money. But I guarantee you, there's somebody who owns the Breakfast Club that's getting paid off of the Breakfast Club, and he's probably making more money than all of them. And so, like, yes. that's my mindset. Is it's like let's let's create a business, not a job. And if I got it, because and I also like I don't like waking up on Sundays having to record these things anymore. Like I, just, I would rather I would rather just like load it up, load up the content and maybe I'll show up every now and then but like that's what Josh Dorgan did. At a certain point, Josh Dorgan just passed right. it off. He was like, I'm not doing the podcast anymore. Let's get somebody who's really good at being a podcast host and let them facilitate that conversation. So I don't know who it is. I don't want it to be like, I don't want it. It's so funny because like I'll, I'll put that out there and somebody will be like, I'll do it. And I was like, you weren't really the person that I had in mind to do this. Like 
I like people who are like me. So if I can find somebody who's like me and they can do it, then that'd be great. I don't know who that person would be, but they probably need to wear a suit in their avatar. So they got a suit in their avatar. It's like your interview. Your interview come for your interview, but like that's what you wear. If you got a suit in your avatar, that's the interview, man. And if your bio, that's your resume. Your timeline is probably going to be the, the the other part of the interview. But like, I'm looking for somebody who fits the brand that I'm trying to to, to put out there. So if you're listening to this and you think that you could be a great podcast host for the Millionaire Podcast, please inquire within. Um, I would recommend not just sending a DM, but send a bunch of stuff. Like send a DM, hit me on the timeline, but don't hit me in the comments. The timeline's okay. The comments, not so much because everybody can see the comments and it kind of is tacky. People are like, hey, I sent you a DM, check your DM in the comments. And I, I can't even see the comments. I know there's so many, but I, if you hit me on right. the timeline, maybe send me an email, maybe send me a text, or maybe send like a text to like Layla or Sheridan. Now we can get you in there. So you're trying to build this top capital media. Yeah, man. Exactly. We got to blow it up. I want to do so much more and I can't do that if I'm only just doing one show. I want to have different themed things. I want to have content every day. Dame Dash Studios, man. Ty Capital Studios. Yeah, it's like we need, we need, it's like Ty Capital Business News. There's so much more value that we could be given to the world, but I can't if I'm just stuck inside of the business. I feel like that is an, a very noble aspiration. It's like, man, we could be giving them on the spot news on the, like, that's a big part of the reason why we can get finessed out of, out of these wholesalers. It's like, there's so much ignorance that people don't know any better. They literally, the only thing they know is what that wholesaler told them. Wholesaler pops up like your house ain't worth nothing. Just give it to me. Whole time the house worth a whole bunch of money. And they know all the development that's going on in the area, but that lady didn't know. They get over because they keep you dumb. So then we come on the scene and we start talking about responsible wholesaling. We start telling people the true worth of their home. It's tough to get finessed if you're being educated. And so we got to bring the education to our people. It shouldn't just be like, it's so cool. It's like, it shouldn't just be where if you can go to college, you get that, that the, the wisdom. We should also be providing it to ourselves. So especially if you have the education, it's like, why not? So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. It's lit. It is lit. And remember, if you said learning money is better than being given money, if you give it to me, then I am beholden to you. If I get it myself, I can get it again and again and again. Yep. This dude just said he wants to host the podcast. I think he dressed the part, man. Okay. He was like, he was like, I'll do it. I'm like, okay, educated young man. Got a suit on in the Abbey, got a, a solid bio. I might have to have that conversation with him. I mean, you might have, I might have to try out different people. Right. But like, I mean, we've been doing it for like three years. It's time to hand it off. It's time to, and also I was, man, I'm so inspired. I was listening to like, like uh, Lee or Cohen and you start to realize how the music business works. Like we only really know the music business from the rapper standpoint, not the you go create an artist and build him up and you have this roster of artists. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to be. I'm just trying to be the suit because the same thing is true with a lot of different things, talent agents, all that stuff. Like, isn't that cool? I think that's dope. So I'm trying to, trying to CEO some stuff, high level stuff, 10 M's and then get that 10 and go to a hundred. Uh, my name is Charles Oglesby, also in the time there. This is Raphael Husbands. Check out the sponsors. I'm going to do the intro. I'm going to do the end. Check out the sponsors. Uh, Bravado Life, the shirt sponsors, they make the You Can't Fire Me, the Boss shirt. Um, you can also catch their their ad in the very beginning. Also check out Get Lace Laces. Um, yep. Owner, Marlon Parker, he has a great lace company. He also has an ad that you can hear on the show. Check out the Thai Capital Options Committee as well as the Thai Capital Options course. Check out the URE uh, book, which I'm still waiting to see a draft of because I'm genuinely curious. Um, yeah, this week. Don't be a little B, start a little business. And... 
I don't know if I'm missing anything. Am I missing anything? You gotta get the new uh the duffel, man. You gotta get the views, yeah. duffel bag. Follow the follow the um Lovish Company on Instagram at views lifestyle underscore. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me, Raphael, at work money life. Follow Charles at Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also at Todd.Capital. Also at Bless a Black Man. Like I said, at Views Lifestyle underscore. Um, yeah, man. Product. ToddCapital.co. Man, we just want to keep building. Product build it, always build talent. Build like, like we will be putting up the, the ebook soon. There'll be a little bee. And soon after that, we're going to have an e- audio book. And then we're going to have some more stuff coming. Keep listening. Subscribe. Keep listening to get all the announcements. For episode 55, Junior Sale slash Derek became a Matumbo slash Jordan dropping double nickels in the guard. If you've reached the end of the show, thanks so much for listening and we value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.